Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Folks, uh, not even during the Civil War did insurrections reach the capital of the United States of America, the citadel of our democracy. Not even then. But on January the 6th, 2021, they did. They did. A mob of extremists and terrorists launched a violent and deadly assault on the people's house on the sacred ritual to certify a free and fair election. Also on the COVID front, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is now fundraising off of President Biden's uh, comments for him to, quote, get out of the way of people trying to help battle the COVID surge in that state. DeSantis has said, I'm standing in your way, I'm not going anywhere, refers to the president as a power-hungry tyrant. What is your response? Or the- to the governor and the administration's response to the governor, and is the president considering reaching out to DeSantis to talk this over? Well, first, um, from day one, uh, we've approached this not as a political issue, but a public health issue. Uh, We remain in touch with officials in Florida, just like we're in touch with officials from around the country about how we can provide assistance from the federal level to help address this public health crisis. Well, uh, I guess I'm not surprised that that Biden doesn't remember me. Um, I guess the question is, is what else has he forgotten? You know, we have uh, roughly 350 million people vaccinated in the United States and billions around the world. And virtually no one's died because of that vaccination. So we have to get more people vaccinated. I said. Well over, what's the number again? I remind myself, 350 million Americans have already been vaccinated. They're doing fine. The other day, and we've been talking about this this afternoon, an 11-month-old girl in Texas, another hard-hit state, had to be flown 150 miles away for treatment because hospital beds are full in her town. People should not have to die so some politicians can own the libs. They're not owning anybody, but they may end up owning the pandemic because they're prolonging it. Perhaps it's time to start naming these new variants that may be coming out after them. You've brought up uh, regionally the South, but out uh, in the plains, in the Great Plains, we have Sturgis, South Dakota, is gonna be, there's a gathering right now of some 700,000 people. Last year, it was a smaller turnout. 
and it was over about 150,000 people, and it and it led to a mass. Since January, more than one million Americans have re-entered the labor force. Unemployment also fell sharply from 5.9 to 5.4 percent. See how we enjoy charts here. I will note the comparison. Uh, in total, we've created over 4 million new jobs, 832,000 on average for the last three months, with revisions upwards for the last two months. And over the first six months, we've created almost 700,000 per month on average. That's more jobs created faster than any other president's first six months in history. In comparison, the previous administration only created 1.1 million jobs in their first six months. Again, when we talk about America's working families, I really want to commend the President of the United States for his courageous action and informed action on in extending the eviction moratorium for a time so that the funds can come through, that renters can be saved and landlords can be paid. Um, Tuesday was a great day of relief for families facing imminent eviction. Could you just imagine families on the streets, baby cribs, personal belongings, on the street while people had to find another place to live. And children might have to find another school. So thank you, Mr. President, for, for the courage and the initiative that you took to extend the moratorium. I also want to content, commend my, my members, Maxine Waters, who, who actually initiated this early on in legislation, the eviction moratorium, as well as the funding for tenants and landlords. What about states that are, say, prohibiting school districts from imposing mask mandates? Are you worried that there will be teachers unions that say, if we can't keep the schools safe the way that we feel we should, we don't want to come back? I'm worried that decisions that are being made that are not putting students at the center and student health and safety at the center is going to be why schools may be disrupted. Kids at this point have gotten used to wearing masks, my children included. Right. What is your message to governors like Governor DeSantis in Florida and Governor Abbott of Texas who have banned mask mandates? You know, don't be the reason why schools are interrupted. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 9th of August, year of our Lord, 2021. Excuse the dress down. I had appointments. I had to do some stuff at work. I had to go clean the dog pen. It was a lot of crap. A lot of crap. And that intro was total fucking crap. So we start with more January 6th. Gotta love it. We then go into covid we then show Obama, which I didn't have a problem with until I started really thinking about it. These are the people who won't let you go see your grandma before she died. But they can party. No mask. DeSantis smacking the man down. And then he twice says there's 350 million people vaccinated. That can't be true. Uh, dick face playing 
Acosta with, we should call it after Republicans. Oh, that's so cute. Chuck Todd and company ignoring Obama stuff and going after Sturgis again, something that has been disproven over and over that the media lied. It wasn't a super spider, but that's okay. And a couple things about the economy. They, they're taking victory laps. There's no victory laps to be gotten. And that education secretary, are you fucking shitting me? You can fix your face to say, don't get between the kids and education when all these people have done is listen to the teachers union, even the Trump administration. They've got more money than a mafia member and they still won't go back to work. But, you know, what do we know? The, the shit on the September, I, you know, I could go into articles about how nice it is that DeSantis smacked it. This Civil War stuff, four deaths on January 6th, 624,000 deaths. The Capitol has been bombed on several occasions by lefties. Armed pa- Black Panthers did it. I mean, they're, uh, fucking Kavanaugh here. Get the fuck out of here. That is revisionist, anti-Trump, anti-conservative. You just want your special intellectual people to be in politics. Bullshit. It was Yamachi Alcindor that once again brought it up with the uh, soundbite. I forgot to say that. I got mixed in. Of course it was her. So now we find out the Justice Department wants a two-month prison sentence for misdemeanor unlawful parading for an old dude, Robber Reader of Maryland. Unlawful parading is a charge. They're just making shit up. They didn't do anything. They've arrested 500 people for trespassing. I know it's wrong. I know what they did was wrong. There were people that hit people. There's a few guys with sticks and shit. But the entire unarmed, nobody was killed. Nobody was bludgeoned with fire. It's all a lie that anybody that hated Trump ran with it because it was good shit. You then have literally a uh, pre-crime. Uh, Glenn Krishner says Merrick Garland should have Trump arrested now before he incites insurrection 2.0. This is all Trump. They can't get over it. Adam Kinzer says, if you refer to yourself as a patriot, you probably aren't one. If you didn't serve in the Revolutionary War and refer to yourself as a patriot, you probably are not one. Adam Kinziger. Him and Cheney literally, I, I don't get it. His next one, the aftermath, the picture of time of the officer is a, a confirmed lefty. I'm not, maybe he got fucked with, maybe he got beat up. I don't know his situation because I don't believe anything they're saying, but he's a lefty. He's the one sending letters. It's already confirmed. He is a liberal operative. Do you think they're going to bring any officer up there who's like, yeah, it wasn't that bad. I saw worse when they're trying to storm the White House. Black Lives Matters. They're not going to say that. Those people ain't showing up to this hearing. Kinziger shares a time cover. That, and once again, we're, we're not going to do any intros and fancy shit today because I'm jammed. I have seen some on the right who've never served a day in their life attack these officers for their courage to see their tears as weakness. There is more strength in these men than all our politicians combined. Chris Loesch. I see many conservatives who did, in fact, serve on the front lines of our military as our hero police officers, and some are both saying this man is an embarrassment. To be fair, they say the same thing about you. You can't, with any good conscience, believe any of that wasn't Kabuki theater. 
You can't believe that was real. You know it wasn't. It was all staged, scripted. Get the fuck out of here. It's so Trumpy, NBC News presidential historian Michael Boschlosh. Evisceration of the White House Road Garden was completed a year ago this month, and here was a grim result. Decades of American history made to disappear. Still bringing up shit about him. And this crowd, hot take. All my Glocks would be defective because none of them do this. The Glock is burst option on many models. It's a standard weapon of the NYPD. We're about to do a segment on defund, and I just wanted to get that up front. That, that was all over the Internet. That was okay. Twitter didn't suppress it. It's a lie. Another one said they had tasers built in with the bullets. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. John Roberts buried in the infrastructure bill, 2,700 page, to test the design, acceptance, implementation, and financial sustainability of national... Motor vehicle per mile fee. You know, the same people that said Trump has to go, we got to save democracy. That's some far left shit that California does. And they're going to do it nationally. It's bad enough the gas is $2.99 where I live because of this administration. It's this administration. Just watch a whole segment about how the, the oil boom in Texas, it's over because of this administration and new regulations, and they're all bankrupt. Now you're going to have per mile fee? It's once again, we know better than you. We can tell you everything, and you need to get electric, motherfucker. I won't even go into all the Republicans that are literally going to, they're, 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 they're going to fucking vote for this shit. And, and for our COVID, even Politico saying his border policy is going to shit because it's totally out of control. It's out of control. That's where all your stuff's coming from. So I had an article I wanted to read up front. The Fox News fallacy. And I was going to read the whole thing, but I'm not going to. Go to theliberalpatriot.substack.com. Fox News fallacy. I'm going to save it for another show. It, it It really outlines where we're at in reference to everything for the left, specifically. If the right says it, it's bad. The media, which is part of the left, and all our fucking newspapers, go on a huge boondoggle of, well, that's wrong. And anything from Fox News is a lie. Whereas CNN can put out lies all the time. Nobody has a problem with it. Nobody cares. They're they're just good with it. And he breaks it down that that's the problem with their politics. We've gotten to a point in this nation because of the mainstream media. And this great conversation. It's, it's not on this subject because we're about to go into defund and, and eviction. But, folks, I was sitting with a black lady, Democrat, a white dude, masked and vaccinated, Democrat, a conservative dude, 
and a lady who says she's independent. And by the end of this conversation, as we're sitting in Walgreens, they're getting one of them was getting their second booster for COVID. Most of us were just waiting to get uh, one kid was getting a blood test, and two of us were just there for drugs. We literally all agreed emphatically that everything they've done on COVID, everything they've done from Jump Street has made it that if you do get an Ebola, if you do get a huge fucking pandemic that kills everybody, there are going to be so many dead people because they ruined this. They have lied since day one, told you to wear a mask, not to wear a mask, wear a mask, wear three masks, wear, don't wear a mask, wear a mask. All these little netnoid, crazy, off-the-wall Falkyisms. Every one of them said Falky should have been relieved under Trump. And the black woman who said she voted for Biden said she wished she wouldn't have. Because now I'm seeing the beauty in Trump. That was her words. The beauty in Trump. That most of the things he was doing is just trying to knock off these powerful people. And her words, a a lifelong Democrat, personal liberty. This latest you must mask was the last line. She said, but you're letting everybody over the border. Everybody's got COVID. They can do whatever they want. You truck them all over there, fly them, bust them all over the country. But me, I went and got my vaccine. I did the right things. And now you're telling me that I have to wear the mask, but not them. Trump handled the, the, the whole pandemic right. That was her words. And I think more and more Americans are starting to see that it's just a cudgel. I'm not covering the infrastructure deep today. He's just doing it because January 6th ain't working, and you got to have something to say, i got to build back better. And you don't have any, there's no fucking panic. Now, granted, I just watched a NASCAR race in Nashville, or not a NASCAR, but an IndyCar, and there was 60,000 people there. Nobody was masked. You can see people are not playing along with this. They're done. They're just done with it. So I I don't think it's having the effect that I thought it was going to have. But when you really break it down, They're burning any positivity they had or they were awesome because it doesn't matter what the media is saying. People are not buying this bullshit. And that leads us right into Cori Bush. Fuck me running. Of Missouri, a Republican has pardoned Mark and Patricia McCloskey, who were famously photographed pointing guns at protesters during June of 2020 in those demonstrations in St. Louis. You were actually among the marchers who encountered the McCloskeys that day. Mark McCloskey at the uh, Republican convention called you the Marxist liberal activist leading the mob through our neighborhood. What is your reaction to this pardon? It is absolutely unbelievable. There are other people that should that there are pardons that we have been asking for pardons that actually should happen in Missouri. And that was not one. That was not one. They stood there. They pointed their guns totally reckless to a group of nonviolent protesters walking down a street that had no clue that they lived there, didn't care that they lived there, didn't know them, didn't want didn't want to know them didn't want to know them. Mark McCloskey is an absolute liar. He has spat on my name. And and because of that, 
His day, his day will come. You will not, you will not be successful in all that you're trying to do when you are hurting the very people that are out trying to save lives. Nothing good comes from that. He can try it, but I will not stand by and allow him or our governor to hurt the very people that are doing the work that they should be doing. So that was, there are other people, Governor Parson, that you should be looking at. We have an activist that's been sitting for such a long time, sitting, do something, actually show up and be a, the governor of all the people of Missouri, not just those that follow your type of politics that actually hurt black people, that actually hurt brown people, that actually hurt people who are unhoused, that actually hurt are the thing. I won't let them get that off. You can't get that off. I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200,000, if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets. We are disappointed um, by the fact that uh, many Republicans are moving in lockstep to try to hold up his nomination and handcuff the chief federal law enforcement agency tasked with fighting gun crimes. It speaks volumes to their complete refusal to tackle the spiking crime we've seen over the last 18 months. This is someone who has 25 years in distinguished service to our country as an ATF agent. He has and experience. We need to revitalize the crack down on gun trafficking, keep uh, guns out of the hands of criminals. So certainly, yes, we stand by uh, his strong qualifications. And Democratic Congresswoman Cori Bush is saying that she favors spending tens of thousands on private security to keep her safe and that people should, quote, suck it up, defunding the police has to happen. Didn't President Biden say a few weeks ago that anybody who accuses the party of being anti-police is lying? Well, I think we shouldn't lose the forest through the trees here, which is that a member of Congress, an elected official, is concerned that her life is threatened. And that's disturbing that any elected official would have to suffer death threats and fear for their life. So I'm not going to comment, of course, on their security arrangements. I don't have any more details on that. Uh, but I think we should start with that point first. I will say uh, that the president has been crystal clear that he opposes defunding the police. Uh, he has said that throughout the cam his campaign for office. His record over the last several decades has made that clear. He has proposed increased funding for law enforcement and the COPS program, increased funding from his predecessor, who was, as you might note or be aware of, a Republican. So I'd note that his record is pretty clear on this. There may be some in the Democratic Party, including Congresswoman Bush, who disagree with him. That's okay. But I would say the majority uh, of Democrats, we've seen this in polling, and the majority of members uh, also now, remember, nothing is based on reality with anything in our media. Uh, one of my favorite reporter rattled after firing AR-15 at Vermont first indoor gun range. It felt like a meteor had struck the earth in front of me. A deep shockwave coursed through my body. The recoil rippling through my arms and right shoulder with astounding power. I mean, fuck's sake, folks. It's an AR. It's got a buffer spring. My wife even was like, it's less than the pistol. But this Cory Bush stuff, they're totally, I mean, I am for defunding the police. As much as that little red-headed gimp 
is going to run her cock trap about its Republicans who don't care about the police. We're still playing that stupid game that, you know, the crime wave's their fault. This is all, yeah, okay, it's not working. You have her saying, I'm going to get those people because they're released, the McCloskeys. Another Spasaki word, I don't care what you say. Republicans don't care about the crime spree. Katie Pavlik. Saki just ordered after being asked about Senator King, who caused who caucuses the Dems, opposition to ATF nominee. Opposition is only for Republicans. The Republicans have no interest in solving rising crime. It's a fucking joke. Saliza frets. Cory Bush helped the GOP on defund the police. That was the article. Not that it's bad policy, that this is really stupid. And that 70% of African Americans and 74% of Americans are fully against this stupid thing. No, no, no. It's going to help Republicans. That's our media. It's a Fox News fallacy. That's why I said read that article. It is perfect. If a Republican says wet, rain's wet. Media, oh, no, no, no. Well, think pieces and facts and science. Rain ain't wet. Politico spit on Cory Bush called to defund the police while having private security takes predictable term. Catherine Watson, representative Cory Bush on CBS News, responding to critics who point out she spent roughly 70000 on private security while calling out defend. Politico playbook. Republicans are salivating over a new interview in which Cory Bush defended paying for private security for self to member of Congress while also saying Democrats should defund the police. The latest pounce. We're pouncing. New York Times crows new lefty heroine Cory Bush on eviction moratorium. What constitution? Because she was for that too, and we'll cover it in a seven. Brian Seltzer. CBS News accidentally had the wrong kind of scoop. But CBS, where the interview originated, has no mention on its website, no link to specific clip either, other than on Twitter. They didn't even want to play it. Brian Seltzer caught that because they're against it. They know it's not going to help Democrats. But yeah, January 6th is so bad. It's so bad. And it attacked our fucking democracy. And I thought by this show, I wouldn't be talking about eviction moratoriums. But they're like, fuck you. Fuck the Constitution. One more question on the eviction moratorium. I'll approach it this way. Uh, The president may support the legal justification, but he also publicly gave voice to doubts about the constitutionality. What's the White House's message then to Americans who heard what happened yesterday, heard what was said at this podium on Monday, can't square the two and are now disappointed that the president is signaling that he doesn't respect the rule of law. I'm not sure there are Americans evaluating it to that degree. Maybe there are some you have talked to. I don't know. What the president has, his message to the American people, especially those who are concerned about uh, losing their homes, being kicked out of their homes, is that he's going to do everything in his power to make sure they can stay in their homes as long as possible. That is not just an extension of the eviction moratorium, which obviously a step was taken yesterday. It is also about using every tool at our disposal to get this money out. Again, states have 
have the funding to extend the eviction moratorium in their own states. That's because there was funding in the American Rescue Plan to get that done. So that includes asking his team, members of his cabinet, whether it's uh, the, uh, whether it's Secretary Fudge, who obviously made an announcement today, or the Department of Treasury, who made an announcement about the simplification of forms, that this is a priority, that they are to use all resources at their disposal to make sure they're communicating with Americans, that we are making it easy to get this funding out, uh, because that's the overall objective. The overall objective is not about one tool. A lawyer spent 36 years in the Senate, was chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, eight years of vice president, half a year as president. He speaks often about democracy versus autocracy. He's issuing or overseeing this order from the CDC in the face of doubts about its constitutionality, which he seemed to echo yesterday. There's no inconsistency here. The president is, I mean, there are many people out there who say that the president is, is, is essentially I once again, I'm only playing this stuff because remember, we spent four years about a president who literally wasn't following the Constitution. Democracy was being shredded. Chris Hulk, fantastic question from CBS News Radio, Stephen Portnoy about the legality of extending the eviction moratorium. What's the White House message then to America who are now disappointing the president singling that he doesn't respect the rule of law? More importantly, he speaks often about democracy versus autocracy. He issues and oversees this order from CDC in the face of doubts about it. Constitutionality he didn't call Congress back. He asked Congress to act. It didn't. How do you square all that? Through no avail, the great Philip Wegman follows up on legality. What was the moment that the president became certain that he was on solid legal standing to move forward with his extension? And what was the specific legal argument that changed his mind? Because they're for it. They don't give a fuck. Nancy Pelosi may be one of the worst possible salesperson for Joe Biden's unconditional. I played it in the beginning. They don't give a fuck. They don't even cover just. I played in the intro about people going back to work because they cut off the shit. They're not going to acknowledge they're ever wrong. After careful consideration, WAPO analysis finds that Joe Biden's eviction moratorium extension is illegal, but it's worth it. Analysis after days of this administration suggesting that it couldn't do this legally, it did anyway, and Biden isn't really trying to put a good face on that either. Biden's novel eviction defense, maybe it's illegal, but it's worth it. I could go reams deep. Reams. Of them losing their shit. Over fucking Trump on much less. How about just stopping travel from China? Racist, xenophobic, 
three weeks later, he should have done it sooner. That played in the media, and it was like, yeah, yeah, Nancy Pelosi's right. Which brings us to our jerk off to the week, because they just love bashing some goddamn DeSantis. My own the media jerk off of the week. New this morning, Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries is criticizing liberals who go after more moderate Democrats and accuse them of not doing enough to advance progressive policies. Jeffries told The New York Times the extreme left is obsessed with talking trash about mainstream uh, Democrats on Twitter when the majority of the electorate constitute mainstream Democrats at the polls. Joining me now to talk about this is Democratic strategist and senior vice president of Firehouse Strategies, Michael Starr Hopkins. Michael, thank you so much for being with us. I just wonder, you know, what do you think about what you're uh, really just about what Jeffries is saying, this statement, is he right on? Hey, thanks for having me. I think Jeffries hit the nail on the head. Look, for every AOC and Cori Bush, there's a Stephanie Murphy and a Connor Lamb who've managed to be Democrats and win in a swing district. And when you have the progressive wing of the party attacking the establishment wing of the party, you end up just doing the bidding of Republicans. You know, the implication more than just about the sniping, which Jeffries was specifically referring to there, is that there are some people in the center of the Democratic Party suggesting that some people on the progressive left are dragging them down. Do you feel like that's a fair characterization? I think the sniping within the party, whether it be from the progressive side or the middle or the establishment, it's not healthy. Republicans are determined to take away more rights. They want to block the Voting Rights Act. They want to roll back environmental standards. They want to basically turn Florida into a morgue. That's not the party that we need supporting. We need to be supporting Democratic priorities and Democratic candidates. Let's talk about Cori Bush, who is fresh off uh, what was a big victory for progressives. She actually pushed the Biden administration to extend its moratorium on eviction, evictions across the hard hit COVID areas in the country, which is most of the country. And she's now facing backlash from Republicans because she said this when asked about her use of personal private security. I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets. Republicans are already seizing on this, Michael. How problematic is this for Democrats? It's extremely problematic. And look, I I understand what she means when she says we need to defund the police, but we need better messaging on that. Because what she really means is instead of spending a ballooning amount of money on police, we need to put more money in social care and into mental health programs. But that's not a short soundbite that you can say as easily. And so while I hate the fact that we have to pay this political game, we have to play this political game and we have to manage to put together sound bites and put together talking points that will resonate across the country. And when you say things like defund the police, 
people who aren't as tuned in every day don't understand what they mean. And so groups like Fox News and other Republican right wing talking groups are able to basically flip that and scare people into thinking that they're not going to have police. Dear Superintendent, Dr. Green and school board members, I would like to encourage the requirement of masks at school in Duval County. In a letter to school leaders, Lila Hartley explains what worries her. She's 12 years old, about to be in seventh grade in Duval County, vaccinated. But her little brother, 10-year-old Will, isn't old enough to get the vaccine. I'm so worried that if masks are not required, my brother could go to school one day and the next be dying in the hospital. At school, I wear two masks because I want to make sure I don't get sick. Their father, Matt Hartley, wants Duval County Public Schools to mandate masks. I care about your kid as much as I care about my kid, and I don't want any kid to, to risk being hospitalized or getting long COVID symptoms or just being a part of our community spread. Masks for all in the fall! Mandating masks, however, would defy an executive order signed by Governor Ron DeSantis banning schools from forcing students to wear masks. All those in favor? After hearing from dozens of parents, the Duval County Public School Board voted to change its code of conduct for students late last night. Any student not wearing a mask pursuant to this policy must, through his or her or their parent or guardian, complete the opt-out procedures. Moms for Liberty, a nationwide group whose local chapter of Duval County Mothers Against Mask Mandates, believe requiring masks in school is government overreach. Mother of two, Keisha King, will not be sending her daughter to school with masks. The best and most fair thing to do is to give parents the option of whether they want to want their children to wear a mask or not. What the American Academy of Pediatrics and the CDC say is best, universal indoor masking at schools, in part to protect unvaccinated students and stop the spread of COVID-19. Masks not only prevent me from passing it to you, there also is you not giving it to me. Vaccinated people do have the, the possibility of transmitting the virus even though they're not sick. It's layers of coverage. <laughs> and layers of comfort and security for students like Lila Hartley and her little brother, both well aware of the fiery debate surrounding the masks they're advocating for in the upcoming school year, just days away. It's okay to have your own opinions. It's like, you can think what you wanna think, but also the, these masks have proven that they're saving, that they're saving people. Masks are important so we can continue to enjoy in-person school and not have to hurt families and staff by, with this terrible virus. Sincerely, Lila Hartley, student at Landon Middle. Dr. Mercola, to ask him about the misinformation he's been posting. Like masks may not work, vaccines could be dangerous, and vitamins C and D can prevent or treat the coronavirus. We first tried to find him at his office in Cape Coral, Florida outside Fort Myers. So I'm looking for Dr. Joseph Mercola. Not here. Not here. Is he, is he here today? Can I get a message? He's not here. Will he be here tomorrow, if not today? Or? No, he's not, no, not here. So even though his office is listed here, he's not, he doesn't work out of here? No. Okay. Okay, thank you. Next stop, more than 220 miles away, Ormond Beach, Florida, which Dr. Mercola calls home. We found his house behind a large gate and tried making contact through the security access pad. 
Hello, this is Randy Kay from CNN. I'm hoping to get a word with Dr. Mercola. Later, we spotted Joseph Mercola riding his bicycle. Once he stopped, we thought this was our opening to get some answers as to why he's pushing false claims about masks and the vaccine. How are you? I'm Randy Kay with CNN. Can we ask you a couple questions? We just want to talk to you about vaccines and what you've been saying about them. Do you feel responsible for people who didn't get vaccinated, possibly got sick and died because of what you told them about the vaccines? What do you say to families who lost loved ones? Are you spreading misinformation? Why won't you speak to us? You say it's past time for people to get vaccinated. Is it time for more vaccine mandates? Well, that's a obviously hot topic for me as a non-political person, as a physician, as a scientist. The compelling case for vaccines for everybody is um, right there in front of you. Just look at the data. Uh, and certainly I celebrate when I see businesses deciding that they're going to mandate that for their employees. And as a person who runs uh, the National Institutes of Health with 45,000 uh, employees and contractors, I am glad to see the president insisting that we go forward requiring uh, vaccinations or if people are unwilling to do that, then regular testing at least once or twice a week, which will be very inconvenient. Yeah, I think we ought to use every public health tool we can when people are dying. Death rates are starting up again, and you just went through the numbers about how many new cases we are seeing. We are on a very steep upswift of that curve, and we ought to be thinking of every possible intervention. Sir, your side there said it all. That was about as close as a yes as you could get. You clearly believe the vaccine mandates could make a difference. <laughs> I do believe they can make a difference. I understand how that can sometimes uh, set off all kinds of resistance. But isn't that a shame, George? I mean, how do we get here? Why is it that a mandate about vaccine or about wearing a mask suddenly becomes a statement of your political party? We never should have let that happen. And come on, America, we, we can separate these, can't we? We're incredibly polarized about politics. We don't really need to be polarized about a virus that's killing people. We ought to be doing everything we can to save lives. And that means get the vaccine. And that means where the First on the jobs report, if the economy is so great and you guys are celebrating jobs being created at a Wouldn't historic... you say over 900,000 jobs created is pretty good? So this is my question. Mm -hmm. Why then is the president still pushing for big relief packages, pandemic era relief packages like the eviction moratorium? Well, first I would say uh, one of the biggest pieces of legislation he's pushing for, as we know, is the infrastructure package uh, and also the Build Back Better agenda. A lot of most of the components in those packages are long-term investments. They're out. Uh, they're overdue. Back to school question. Florida's Governor DeSantis says that he may start withholding funds from school districts that don't let parents opt out of policies that require masks in the classroom. Does the president think that parents should have that kind of power? Well. I think I've spoken to this a few times, but I will say, as a parent myself of two young children, uh, that I want public health officials to make decisions about how to keep my kids safe, not politicians. And not only is Governor DeSantis not abiding by public health decisions, he's fundraising off of this. So my view is that, and our view as an administration, is that uh, teacher parents in Florida uh, parents across the country should have the ability and the knowledge that their kids are going to school and they're in safe environments. Too much to ask.
he says that his concern is about harmful emotional, academic, and psychological effects of putting kindergartners in masks for hours at a time. Is there any concern from officials that you guys talked to in your early pre-decisional uh, discussions about that? No, there's not. And I will tell you from personal experience, my rising kindergartner told me two days ago she could wear a mask all day and she's just happy to go to camp and go to school. Ed, summer surge, at least 42 states are now seeing their COVID infection rates spike over 100% in the last two weeks. We'll go live to the new pandemic epicenter, which is Florida. Wow. Yeah. So, Commissioner Freed, let's pick up there. I mean, what's your, your takeaway about what's to come? And you were very direct in a tweet this morning. You wrote that our children are reaping what the unvaccinated and uncaring have sown. Enough. Get the vaccine. Why do you think so many Floridians still aren't vaccinated? You know, I think the problem is, is that at the front end of this pandemic, even when the vaccines came out, you know, we always, we targeted our, our seniors. But since then, we've had no messaging here in the state of Florida from this governor about going out and getting the vaccines. Uh, we do not anymore have pop-up locations that you just heard. Uh, there isn't daily reporting of our COVID cases, uh, which is something that I have been urging uh, our governor to put back up online. I've asked him to do a state of emergency. And so unfortunately, there's been a void in leadership here in the state. And so we have taken that mantle for the last week and a half and had daily reporter reporting numbers as they become available um, from the CDC. But we are still lagging behind on information to the people and until which time that we change the messaging and here in the state both bipartisan messaging that the severity of what is happening with this delta variant we know that it is increasing as far as transmission numbers and so we have to be taking this seriously and until which time that our governor steps up to the plate and does right by the people of, of our state and tell them how severe this is encouraging people to in fact go get the vaccine please mask up listen to the scientists listen to the experts you know, I am running for governor of the state of Florida, but I never expected to start the job now. Certainly expected to start it in 2023, um, but we're doing the governor. Why don't you do your job? Why don't you get this border secure? And until you do that, I don't want to hear a blip about COVID from you. <laughs> it's like a doctor saying, why don't you work on your backswing? And I will... Uh, do the scans and see whether you have cancer or not. <laughs> I don't even get that. I'm a parent, and uh, I certainly hope that my kids uh, and kids in their classes are going to be able to wear masks if that is, in fact, uh, what mandate the teachers and the students, the local school board, local school board. Imagine that. Decisions being made on the local level. Imagine that. Decisions being made by parents, teachers, principals, and students. Imagine that. Why, that almost sounds like a conservative concept. But, oh, Ron, he says, no. The power of the state, socialism rules. We're going to decide everything from a 1,000 miles away. It's no more conservative, actually, than good old Ron, socialist Ron, saying, hey, if you are a business, you have no control over how you keep your business safe. I will ban you from taking safety precautions that you think will keep people inside your business safe and that you think will help your bottom line. Big government republicanism, I guess so. 
Sounds like socialism to me. Meanwhile, as you saw at the top of the show, Governor DeSantis responded to President Biden's criticism of him and other Republican governors for banning mask mandates. Joe Biden has taken to himself to try to single out Florida um, over COVID. What is his big solution? What is he so upset about Florida? His solution is he wants to have the government force kindergartners to wear masks in school. He thinks that should be a decision for the government. Well, I can tell you in Florida, the parents are going to be the ones in charge of that decision. So why don't you do your job? Why don't you get this border secure? And until you do that, I don't want to hear a blip about COVID from you. I mean, who was he? Who was he talking to? Cletus, the slack-jawed yokel? Like, who who was really... He goes, I've been saying it for months now. How COVID goes in the United States, so goes the Biden presidency. As pandemic numbers increase, the president's numbers are starting to decrease. For President Biden, the writing is on the wall politically. A brand new CNBC poll shows his approval rating uh, dropping on two huge issues. On the coronavirus, his approvals are now down nine points, and in his handling of the economy is down four points. All of this, of course, is COVID-related. For now, his overall job rating is at a sluggish 48%. The White House feels like there is a gap between what's actually under their control uh, and right. the way that the president's leadership is going to be perceived. You know, they'll point out, look, we got the vaccines out to everyone. It's not a problem about did the federal government fall asleep on the job uh, with right. vaccines or other measures. Uh, but now it's up to Republican governors. It's up to companies to mandate this. And that's where they feel like they are getting punished uh, in the political arena for something right. that's outside of their control. They haven't made anything a mandate. They haven't made anything, you know, they're backing off almost for fear of the right wing. And yet they're being sabotaged anyway by some Republican. Only so much the White House can control, right? This is this is a crisis where even if it's not in their power, talk about the vaccination of kids. This has got to be led by the states. This seems to be the the sort of circular uh, problem that they're running into. They're only as effective as their governor partners allow them to be. That's exactly right, Chuck, and it's a political uh, nightmare. For a different background, I figure I'd put it on the flag. Um, there's so much stuff back in there. The fear-mongering from CNN, they brought a kid on. They've hunted people down. The mixed messaging that just doesn't stop. You know, Pasaki, we don't give a fuck. And then DeSantis, 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 DeSantis. All they care about is DeSantis. It's all about sticking it to the man. We hate that motherfucker. And you know, you know, it's all politics. Because then when you nail them on stuff, well, here, here's a, just a press briefing. Do see, and they finally get them to fix all their rhetoric. That parents got a mask, and you got to do this, you got to do that. First on the jobs report, if the economy is so great and you guys are celebrating jobs being created at a Wouldn't you store, say over 900,000 jobs created is pretty good? So this is my question. Mm -hmm. Why then is the president still pushing for big relief? packages pandemic era relief packages like the eviction moratorium 
Well, first I would say uh, one of the biggest pieces of legislation he's pushing for, as we know, is the infrastructure package uh, and also the Build Back Better agenda. A lot of most of the components in those packages are long-term investments. They're out. Uh, they're overdue. Back to school question. Florida's Governor DeSantis says that he may start withholding funds from school districts that don't let parents opt out of policies that require masks in the classroom. Does the president think that parents should have that kind of power? Well. I think I've spoken to this a few times, but I will say, as a parent myself of two young children, uh, that I want public health officials to make decisions about how to keep my kids safe, not politicians. And not only is Governor DeSantis not abiding by public health decisions, he's fundraising off of this. So my view is that, and our view as an administration, is that uh, teacher parents in Florida uh, parents across the country should have the ability and the knowledge that their kids are going to school and they're in safe environment. Too much to ask. He says that his concern is about harmful emotional, academic, and psychological effects of putting kindergartners in masks for hours at a time. Is there any concern from officials that you guys talked to in your early pre-decisional uh, discussions about that? No, there's not. And I will tell you from personal experience, my rising kindergartner told me two days ago. Clusterfuck. But they, you know, my rising kindergarten told me two days ago she could wear a mask all day. That, that was a statement she said. I don't know if I played it or not because I have so many fucking sound bites. CNN hunts down mask and vaccine skeptical Florida doctor for being a super spreader of COVID-19 misinformation. Got him on the bike. CNN cornered a doctor. CNN back to going after private citizens. Absolute garbage. CNN fully know this will lead to load of death threats to him. They don't care because he's a conservative. So fuck him. Oh, they think he is. Then CNN fired three employees who violated his COVID safety protocol by going to the office unvaccinated. Whatever the left's going to do, they're going to do. But we are not on CNN. Our ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, MSDNC, you name it, baby. Bill McGoon, the city of McAllen, Texas, says the federal government has released over 7,000 COVID-positive migrants in their city since February, including over 1,500 new infected migrants in just the last week alone. A local state disaster in McAllen has been declared. On Monday, we watched Border Patrol drop off a busload of migrants in downtown McAllen all day long, every 30 minutes. Hundreds released in front of us, most of them coughing. Then you get this, Antonio Arniando. Fully vaccinated people who get COVID-19 can transmit the virus. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky says vaccines continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death. They prevent it, but they can't do any more and prevent transmission. It's the fucking stupidest thing I've ever heard. Mike Rowe knows he's no expert on COVID-19, but Andrew Clark, you'll have to read Mike Rowe's new Facebook post. Here it is. The fact is, millions of reasonable Americans have every right to feel confused and skeptical. Those people you refer to, Steve, the one now telling us that we can get back to normal just as soon as everyone is vaccinated, those are the same people who said two weeks to flatten the curve. Those are the same people who told us the masks were useless before they told us they were critical. Those are the same people who told us the return to normalcy occurred just as soon as the most vulnerable among us were vaccinated. Then just as soon as half the population was vaccinated. Then just as soon as we achieved herd immunity. Those are the same people who told us they wouldn't trust any vaccine developed under the last minute now those very same people are belittling the skeptics and he is just spot on because he's in every man 
The 12-year-old who I played, who wrote a letter to a school board in Duval County, Florida, urging them to mandate masks wearing in schools to protect all students and staff, but mostly her little brother, literally hiding behind children. Classic CNN using 12-year-olds. They do this all the time. New woke Yelp features tells users which businesses require vax. It's now, it's now the scarlet letter. Another one. President Biden speaks on a bill awarding congressional matters to officers who defended the Capitol. In it, the only people masked were kids. This was after the mandate. And then you have Newsweek, cover story. A doomsday COVID variant worse than Delta Lombada may be coming. The doomsday variant. How does this ludicrous sensational headline not qualify as COVID misinformation, Jack? Oh, it's because they're liberals. Yeah. As the media continue to terrify the masses about Delta, Britt Hume shares just a little common sense. For context, nationally, the seven-day average of COVID-19 hospitalization peaked at about 137,470 in January, far higher than the current 44,600. It is like a, it's nothing. It's a nothing burger. It is not that much. But USA Today, not since Woodrow Wilson was in, in office during the 1918 flu pandemic, as president overseeing the loss of so many American lives. That was Trump. We are failing one another. This is America's fourth COVID-19 surge. It didn't have to happen. Let's end it now. For all 2020, it was Trump's fault. Now it's your fault. Now they're going to make, in September, soldiers all get the shot, even though they all got SARS, once again. Something I forgot to say. And their main spokesman, who I'm not covering today because I, I can play all sorts of shit other than his stupid crap about Sturgis, which is not based on any reality. Fucky under fire of a report alleging NAID spent 400K on researching infecting dogs. They funded the experiments and then they killed the dogs. They used beagles. Gave them biting diseases. Where they, I mean, they were just all full of fucking mange and bites. And then they killed them. Remember, this is the same guy that told you that, you know, AIDS is airborne. But he's awesome. Other things he's done. If the U.S. does not get control over community spread of the Delta variant, we'll see more variants. As long as the virus continues to spread, you give it ample opportunity to mutate. And when you give it ample opportunity to mutate, you may sooner or later get another variant. And it is possible that that variant might be, some respects, worse than the already very difficult variant we're dealing with now. Interesting messaging at a time when Biden administration is desperately trying to get people to give, give up vaccine hesitancy. Where'd that come from? Maggie Haberman. So... When they're pushing every stupid thing that's coming out of people's mouths. I mean, Walensky. I, I want to take a moment to think about the doom. I mean, what the fuck? What the fuck? are the, These people are so incompetent. This is what we got. DeSantis. 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 Jim Psaki. 23% of new COVID hospitalizations in the U.S. are in Florida. Their hospitals are being overwhelmed. We're doing everything we can to help the people of Florida, and they're stepping up by getting vaccinated, we hope. Don DeSantis, join us in the fight. She's mocking him. Can we get a fact check about this comment on the border, Jen? Same people. 
You're letting anybody come across, but DeSantis is a fuckhead. New York Times re- reporter, this is well turned, but is he checking notes as he delivers it? Maggie Haberman, yes, the need to help referring to notes to deliver a not hard line is a reminder. He actually hasn't been that on the national stage that long. That's what they're saying. Every fucking thing a person in this administration right now does is scripted and they read off a piece of paper. You can see Pasaki have tabs. Nothing they say comes from the heart. Nothing Biden has said forever has come from the heart. It's all scripted. Opinion. Why Ron DeSantis is more dangerous than Trump. You got the we should name him after those guys, even though it's all a lie. It's a hundred percent lie. And it comes from their far left base. Occupy Democrats, Kelly O'Donnell. Here's the president responding to my question about Ron DeSantis using Biden's words against him to say DeSantis is getting in the way over COVID rules. President Biden, Governor Who, the Alpha Chad Who. Move only works if you didn't pick the fight in the first place. Occupy Democrats. Breaking news, Biden humiliates Ron DeSantis, pretends to have never heard of him. When a reporter asks if Spawn like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. And then we don't even talk about Cuomo. Here, here's just a few subjects. Just a few subjects. We're not covering this stuff because it doesn't matter. You're going to have a cinder say the geo the democrats are better with sexual harassment than gop uh, i don't see that brian seltzer trying to cover oh oh we're doing a good job on cnn covering cuomo you got um cnn sad that biden's border is a total clusterfuck and then we got chuck todd this anti-trump message isn't gonna work and talking to white house officials even though the would not really comment directly to this, even though he was questioned about it. Then talking to White House officials, there really is this sort of cringe that happens when you have someone, a governor, who has now been accused not only of sexual harassment, but of sexual abuse, of creating a toxic work environment, then turning to former president, so former president, with, or I should say former President Obama, as well as current President Biden, and adding their pictures and what they do to his, his, to his rebuttal. It's sort of stunning, but in some ways it also underscores who, whether who who Governor Cuomo is, and he is someone who is ready for a fight. He is someone who thinks he can hold on. And I should tell you that when I'm talking to people, Democrats, they are also pointing to people like former President Trump, who held on after dozens and dozens accused him of sexual harassment, of abuse, of rape. He was able to continue to still be president and now has a lot of power in the Republican Party. That's in some ways what Andrew Cuomo is trying to do. He's trying to hold on to this power, trying to act a bit Trumpian here. Um, But Democrats are not, they don't seem to have the same appetite for this sort of behavior that, that the GOP has. Yeah, 21 women and also holding on after the Access Hollywood uh, tape was revealed when he was first running for office. So that is the playbook to just, you know, outlast. On the Cuomo brothers, Chris Cuomo has a lot to say, but right now he cannot say it. CNN management has made two things clear to him. One, that he can't talk about his brother, Andrew Cuomo, on TV. And two, that he cannot participate in any more strategy sessions with the governor's aides. So if you're wondering why Chris has remained silent about the scandal, well, that is why. 
Uh, this week, I've been doing reporting on the media angle of this Cuomo story, which has meant talking with staffers here at CNN about Chris Cuomo and his one-of-a-kind situation, uh, TV star in primetime, governor's brother at all times. Now, let's just be candid with each other. These staffers I'm talking with are my colleagues, of course, and I assured them they could speak anonymously and candidly. What I found is a more complicated story than you might think. This has been a conundrum for CNN that has no perfect answer, no perfect solution. Some think CNN made it worse by letting Chris interview his brother when COVID-19 was ravaging New York. But that was an unprecedented time period. And so is this one, a famous family in the news, a governor who soared to the highest heights last year, now falling to the lowest lows, self-inflicted wounds, and a brother who just wants to do his job, just wants to anchor his show. But can he? That's the key question. Well, this week, Chris showed that he can. He tuned out the family drama and led compelling interviews during Cuomo primetime, all while dealing with what has to be one of the hardest periods of his adult life. Viewers wanted to see him on TV, and let's be honest, this is TV, so that's not a totally irrelevant factor. Chris had the highest rated hour on CNN on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and again on Thursday. And on those shows, Chris made no reference to his brother's troubles, and that is by design. My sources say that management has been clear about its position. He is not covering the governor on TV, period. He is not talking about it at all. And you can believe me, I tried, I wanted an interview, uh, and I was turned down. Now, I personally believe he should speak out when the time is right. Chris should share his point of view. He's a part of the story. The AG's report confirms that Chris was actively talking with the governor's aides about how to handle the accusations of harassment earlier this year. CNN management said back in May that Chris crossed a line by doing that, and he apologized to colleagues for it. Some critics said he should have been suspended or even fired. But I'm going to level with you. Telling a well-off host to hang out by the pool for a couple of weeks is not a real punishment. It's BS when Fox sends a host off on vacation during a scandal. Scolding a host in public, saying what they did was inappropriate, that is an actual punishment. Again, I think Chris should be asked about all this. He should be grilled like anyone else. That's what numerous staffers at CNN said to me this week. On the outside, um, some of the same critics who slammed him for interviewing his brother about COVID are knocking him now for staying silent. But, you know, tune out that bad faith nonsense. He, here's the logic on the part of management, and you can decide if you agree or you disagree with it. The logic on the part of management is that whatever Chris says about the allegations against his brother will be picked apart. He will be accused of either using his platform to spin for his family or he'll be accused of betraying his brother. The logic is that he should just stay out of it. He should do the job that the viewers want him to do. Plus, CNN is so much bigger than any one anchor. What really matters most is how CNN as a global news outlet covers the governor's alleged crimes. Now, I asked around about this all week, and I found absolutely no sign that Chris having a show at 9 affects the rest of the day. If anything, it's the opposite. Some staffers have speculated that the coverage has been extra tough on CNN because of the scrutiny. I think CNN's coverage has been scathing. Uh, it has been appropriately in-depth because this is one of the governors of, this is the governor of one of the largest states in the country in the middle of a political firestorm. So I want you all to know, it's not like Chris is walking around the New York Bureau newsroom, hanging out with the reporters who are covering the story. He works several floors away. He doesn't have that kind of interaction. Still, there is an optics problem. And that's why I'm dedicating so much time to this here on the show.
This entire story looks awkward for CNN. As one staffer said to me, the lines are just too blurred when it comes to Chris. Some colleagues are ticked off at him. But lots of CNNers also expressed support for him and respect for his anchoring skills. And look, differences of opinion in a newsroom are a good thing. It is a good thing that people have different opinions and they're talking about it and it's being discussed. The Society of Professional Journalists Code of Ethics instructs journalists to avoid conflicts of interest, real or perceived, and to disclose unavoidable conflicts. Clearly, family is unavoidable. And in this case, the conflict is disclosed right in the show's name, Cuomo Primetime. So that's not really the issue. The issue is whether Chris can continue to do his job, continue to be trusted by the audience. Clearly, the leaders of CNN think so. But ultimately, that's up to you. That's up to the people who tune in or don't every night. Trust in this business is earned every day, inch by inch, minute by minute, show by show. So here's one thing I know for sure. Chris is going to have a surreal birthday on Monday. He always takes his birth week off. He always takes it off work. But this year he's going to be absent while his brother is fighting for his political life, uh, trying to stop this impeachment train. And bad faith actors are going to say Chris has been canceled or something when they don't see him on air on Monday. Don't believe it. I checked with sources on his staff and they confirmed that he booked this time off months ago. It is an actual vacation. But it's coming at a, a really, really difficult time for Chris personally. And that's something that many sources brought up to me. You know, whether they agree or disagree with management's decision, a lot of people feel a lot of sympathy for him. I think that's significant that you all should know. And as for vacation. There is new CNN reporting this morning on President Biden's immigration plans being derailed by conflicting messages and the reality on at the southern border. CNN's Priscilla Alvarez is joining us now on this. So what are you seeing? So, Brianna, this really boils down to the Biden administration having to contend with the realities of migration and the political hurdles that accompany it while also trying to roll out their immigration agenda. So there's two messages they're putting out. On the one hand, they want to have a compassionate, fair, and humane immigration system. On the other, they put it quite simply, do not come. And these are two messages that are coming to a head at the U.S.-Mexico border. So there, border arrests remain high. In fact, in some cases, record highs with unaccompanied children and families. The Department of Homeland Security is surging resources to the region because Border Patrol is so overwhelmed. And they're fielding criticism from the advocates who say they need to ditch that Trump era border policy that turns away migrants and allow asylum seekers into the United States and Republicans who say this is a crisis of their own making. Now, as you and I know, immigration has vexed Democratic and Republican administrations alike. It is a politically fraught issue. But right now, the administration is trying to strike a tone of compassion while also deterring migrants. And that can create confusion about who's allowed into the United States and when they're allowed into the United States. And I spoke to a White House official who said their message has been consistent. They can do both. They can be compassionate. They can have that fair system that they want, and they can also have a well-managed border. But in the meantime, they have to contend with those realities on the ground. They're fighting legal battles on both sides here, right? That's exactly right. The American Civil Liberties Union was in negotiations with the Biden administration, again, about that policy I mentioned and subjecting families by turning them away. They had been in negotiations for months. They're at an impasse. The ACLU decided this week they're going back to court. And on the other end, the Justice Department had 
uh, filed a lawsuit against Texas and an executive order targeting the transport of migrants. And a federal judge ruled this week that that order is temporarily blocked. But these are two lawsuits that the administration is going to... Amid COVID's resurgence and a debate over trillions in new spending packages, Democrats are sounding an alarm that they risk losing the House next year if they don't find a winning economic message. NBC News reports that the Democratic congressional campaign chairman, the person in charge of uh, the House campaign side of things, Sean Patrick Maloney, delivered this warning to Democrats in vulnerable districts, showing that new polling suggested that the midterms were held today, they'd likely lose control of Congress. This looks like it was an attempt to raise the alarm among Democrats that they need to sharpen up their economic message heading into the 2022 midterm elections. The Democratic Party doesn't seem to be united on what the message is. Look at, look at Gavin Newsom and Terry McAuliffe. They are running on the 12th message of not Trump or beware of Trumpism or let's fight Trumpism, whatever version of it it is. It sounds like Sean Patrick Maloney is basically saying, look, that certainly, you can do some of that, but you need another message. Um, is this part of the problem that there's a disagreement on how much to sort of bank on the Trump messaging as being the, uh, uh, their get out of, get out of uh, this box free card? Tying the party to Trump and Trumpism is still a part of Democrat strategy, but it's not going to be enough. They are, Democrats are also trying to tie uh, Republican candidates to the most unpopular right. elements of their party, including anti-vaxxers uh, and, uh, you know, the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. But they need to press that message to try. Well, I, at, at this moment, procedurally, it's the only way to keep it from happening at this moment. I mean, ultimately, I think that Greg Abbott's going to have to face the wrath of the voters in 2022, and that will ultimately be the, be the decision in this in this lengthy period of time to do it. But right now, the Texas Democrats have the only power they have is to keep a quorum from happening. How long they can maintain it is, is I think, dicey. I think they're going to keep pushing it. I mean, Greg Abbott is in a race to be the worst possible governor in the country. And if the only one he's got competition with right now is Governor DeSantis of Florida, I think, it's not only voting rights decisions and putting restrictions up, it's preventing local jurisdictions and schools from requiring masks. It's all the things he did about access to guns, creating more access to guns at a time when we have four, we lose 4,000 people a year uh, to, to gun violence. I've been lived in Texas for 35 years. I've raised four children here. I've buried two children in Texas. Mm -hmm. And it's a state I love, and I love the people. I cannot stand our leaders. And Greg Abbott is the Dr. Evil of Texas government. Everything he does is cruel and craven. Hmm. Listen, you mentioned uh, Ron DeSantis of Florida. Today, questioning Joe Biden's memory after the president yesterday jokingly referred to DeSantis as Governor Who. I mean, this, it, it's only going to get worse, this feud between them. But there's only one side here that is putting lives at risk. Am I wrong about that? No, not at all. And the, and the, and the, just the awful thing is, is that Governor DeSantis and Gov Governor Abbott, the two of them are trying to blame immigrants. They're trying to blame immigrants for the spread of the coronavirus around the country. And if you really looked at the data, more people have died and more people have been hospitalized because of the, decision of, the decisions of Governor DeSantis and Governor Abbott during this crisis and pandemic than have even come close to dying because of some immigrants spreading coronavirus. And so it's awful. It's horrible. But in the end, Don, we can do everything we can. We can speak truth, which we should keep doing and keep having this conversation. Mm -hmm. But it's up to us and the rest of the voters 
to tell, tell, to tell the politicians, we are not going to stand for this anymore. Really think about all that. Even that last one with Dowd. He's supposed to be a moderate. He's an independent. That's what he says he is. That was a late entry. I had to put it in there. I mean, this is their plan. And they can get away with it. They don't have to have substance. They don't have to ever really push any fucking thing that you could say makes sense. We don't have to have that. We don't have to have substance. We don't have to policy. Because when they put outrageous fucking shit, they get a pass on it because our media is aligned with them 100% on every subject. It doesn't matter how extreme. It is the Fox News fallacy. It works Everything, all you have to say is the opposite as a Democrat, and you get away with it. It's it's our world, and it, it's frustrating, but it's 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 what it is. And I, I wow, I don't even know what to say half the time. I, I'm actually kind of shocked with some of the things that happen, and it's okay. So before we go to woke. There's a guy from the Federalist named Ben Dominich, and he covered something that I woke up one morning and I was super tired and a lot of pain. I've, I've had some issues. I'm getting a scan on my uh, gallbladder. I got issues with it. Part of it is that, you know, once again, I, I love telling these stories not to, oh, look at boo-hoo me and all that shit, but to show you what socialized medicine really is. I mean, this is what socialized medicine is. And I had blood tests, of course, in March. Um, normal thing to get my blood pressure renewed and my Prilosec. Well, I was having problems with Prilosec, but the U.S. military is still treating this like Dustin Hoffman's looking for the fucking monkey. I mean, we're, we're still locked down. So you have to do a phone consult. And then if they, they lay hands on you, you get to go to the hospital. So I had to do two phone consults, finally got in. And they switched me to Protonicalix or some shit. It's, it's a different type of thing. It tells your buddy body to not pump. And it, wow, instantly started working. Stomach's a lot better. And then they said, well, we're going to get you a scan. And um, we want a poop test and some blood again, just to double check things. Eight hours later. Well, not eight, six, six hours later. I get a phone call that I am critically low on vitamin D. From my March blood test. Now, understand, I took the test. Nobody checked it. They just gave me medicine. She treated me, but she never checked my charts before I walked in. She didn't know anything about me. Didn't know about the scans I got. She didn't know anything. Because I've had a complete scan because I got that virus. Anybody with the show, and I was in Arkansas. I caught something. They didn't know what it was. It wasn't a flu bug. And from my neck to my rectum, I was inflamed. Everything. They put me on three Prolisex a day to try to get my stomach to go down. I puked and shit blood, passed out. And then my wife made me drive home and I completely detoxed. I was in terrible shape. Shit and puke all over me in the car. 
And they almost hospitalized me, but I hate doctors. So they gave me a couple uh, bags, like three bags of fucking IV, and I finally peed a little. I forced myself to. I tried everything, so I just wanted to leave. And then I went home and laid in bed for like three days. They never found out what it was. Nobody's ever gone to that scan. I even told this lady, I've had that scan. That's when my digestive problems stopped or started. That's where it all started. You can say Afghanistan started me getting these panic shits. I got that little thing where they gave us Cipro. They didn't know what that was. We all got it. We were at a eastern Afghanistan on the border of Pakistan SF base. Everybody in the platoon got it. We all got knocked out for like two days. Had to give you IVs and Cipro, and then you could start holding some stuff down. But you literally would just shit straight water. You couldn't leave a toilet. It would turn to blood. It was m- terrible. So that was my first digestive fuck-up. And then I get this, and it's a digestive fuck-up. So that's your medicine. Nobody's gone back to those to look. Now she is. We'll do a scan. We'll find out what's wrong with my gallbladder. I'm probably just got gallstones. That's the age. But to be running around with vitamin D deficiency, like very bad, and that's why I'm all pale, and I don't go outside. We're all shut-ins. Here's the reality. Vitamin D was found to be deficient in every person that died of COVID. So that's how important all this COVID is. An institution in the U.S. military and their hospitals are still in lockdown. They've never unlocked the front of that building. It's still triage zone for testing or shots. And nobody goes there, but you can't go in the front of the building. They have control points. You can't get seen. There's nobody in the hospital actually getting treated anymore. Because of the Gulf variant or whatever the fuck it is. Nobody knows. They don't even know. And they never even checked my blood to tell me, hey, dude, you need this. Or you need to really go get your vaccine. Because the moment I got this vaccine, I had to do it. Because if we remember on the show, they were calling me because I'm considered obese in the BMI. And my age, I was in a critical group. So they were calling and I was saying, maybe. Because we didn't even know if there was a vaccine. Then we got the vaccine. I said, yeah. And then nobody ever called me again because we changed it to, you're not black. We're not giving it. You're not gay. Are you a tranny? You're not getting it. Because that's what the federal government prioritized. Remember? We don't even talk about that shit. That started it all. If you're white, don't get a vaccine. You're fucking racist. We want you to die. Especially if you're a Christian, you live in the South, or you voted for Trump, you own a gun, fuck off! No vaccine for you! Anyway, so I see this video, and I had forgotten all about this, but this was the Obama administration. Remember, a lot of times in this show, I'm talking about this, All Obama laid the groundwork for this radical, cradle-to-grave bullshit. And on this podcast... Audio-wise, I had played The Life of Julia circa 2012. And Ben Dominic did a riff off it this weekend. It's a little long because I'm going to play The Julia, and it's about eight minutes, but it's awesome, and we'll go into Woke.
At age seven, Julia fails to pass the third grade, but due to liberal implemented grading procedures, she is allowed to advance for having a positive outlook and participation. Her teacher apologizes for failing to help her earn a happy in math. At age 10, Julia is accused of racism when she calls the white Hispanic board in her classroom a blackboard. At age 17, after an unexpected pregnancy in high school, Julia is whisked away to Planned Parenthood to remove the clump of cells thanks to Obama's Free to Frolic program. At age 18, Julia's professor Percy Gregory at Columbia opens her eyes to the world of corporate greed and right-wing racism. Feeling disenchanted by America, she decides to rage against the system by joining a Michael Moore fan club. At age 20, Julia is well on her way to getting her women's studies degree and amassing an $80,000 student debt. Tired of male oppression, she becomes a lesbian after her third abortion. She and her sisters join Occupy Wall Street by protesting in a topless drum circle. At age 25, thanks to Obamacare and being on her parents' insurance, Julia undergoes gender reassignment surgery. Julian decided, however, that he'd keep his uterus in case he one day wanted to be a single parent. At age 40, Julian's 999 weeks of unemployment benefits run out, and he-she begins to enjoy life as an unpaid community organizer in Chicago. At age 65, he-she retires from his-her careerless life and dies bitter and childless with domesticated life partner Rachel Katdow by her side, thanks to Obama's Freedom of Marriage Act. Because that's how liberals die. I've been coming to you urging you to rouse yourself, put on the armor of ideas, join with your neighbors and take a stand as a wide awake American. What does it mean to be wide awake? What are you prepared to do if you are? The challenges we face are enormous. From outsourcing to stagnating wages, a disconnected Wall Street, woke schools and corporations, depleted police, rising crime, cartel-driven chaos at the border, and an emboldened China prepared to eat our lunch. All of it, the results of policies our elites have made. Those policies can change. Do you think when left-wing activists ask, what can we do, they take elections have consequences, go to the ballot box in two years, as an answer? No because that's stupid defeatist talk that we've been fed by stupid defeatist Republicans for decades. The answer is not just to vote, it's to organize and to make it known you are organizing against the deterioration of everything that made our American communities great. So run for office, create a media organization to FOIA curriculum, start a neighborhood group, present yourself under an umbrella that welcomes all other responsible members of your community who are sick and tired of being sick and tired and are willing to stand up. These petty school board mask and race obsessed tyrants aren't out of your reach. Start with them. The teacher's refusal to teach our children has let parents into the classroom via Zoom and exposed that they're abusing children with racist and evil ideologies. So now we're staying and those Zoom cameras aren't going off. Tell them in no uncertain terms, you've lost your right to privacy with my children. Are your local prosecutors refusing to prosecute? They're new and they're next. You won't defend us from crime? I'm the guy who does his job, you must be the other guy. 
Support local endeavors, your local cops, your local firemen, your local businesses. Support people whose names you know with your money and your time instead of strangers on the internet or paying Jeff Bezos to play Space Cowboy. The dilapidated American Legion post, go there. You can join and support them even if you aren't a serviceman. You'll be amazed how happy some of the old uh, timers are to see a new face to share a beer with or host a cookout. And if you can ask one of them to take you to the range, learn a thing or two or more about how to defend yourself, your home and your family, if the left really does put the police in a box, that's a good thing. It's cheaper than private security, that's for sure. After all this time worrying about our physical health, mind your spiritual health. Go to church on Sunday. If you've fallen away, go back. Make it a habit for you and your family. Teach that God is there all the time and for all time. If you're Catholic, teach your kids the rosaries and the stations of the cross. If you're not, put a priority on belief in your life. Say prayers before dinner and before bed. Read to your children and grandchildren Bible stories and American history at bedtime. It was good for Abraham Lincoln and it's good for them. Join the clubs. Go to the cookouts, bring the chili, stay after for donuts, or organize it if it isn't already happening. Invite people over to your house for dinner. Get to know your neighbors and your neighborhood. Cultivate the art of hospitality and use it as a tool to build community. Let them know you're there to help, to volunteer, to be present for those in need. Without thriving families and strong, close-knit communities, we will never rescue or rebuild this republic. Taking all these steps to save your community is a form of cultural voting. America was never supposed to rely on government to create a moral citizenry. The citizenry produces a moral government. That's why all these small steps can be more important than voting. But also understand how far behind we are. Our churches have been demolished by the pandemic. Our institutions are feeble or overrun with wokeness. Our neighborhoods are ravaged by homelessness and drug use. Our schools are full of anti-American race baiters. Our woke military is woefully unprepared for war with China. This is going to be very, very hard. Is it hard to do this when any crazed leftist at CNN can, in an instant, destroy your livelihood, attack your family, and unperson you? Of course, whoever said defending liberty would be easy. They want you to sleep. They want you to kneel. They want you to fade away. And they demand and expect it. In the end, you will always kneel. Not to men like you. There are no men like me. There are always men like you. You may be canceled, you may be fired, you may have to give your family permission to disavow your viral video. Chardonnay Antifa may come after you to prove their dutiful usefulness and protect their trust funds and McMansions. Your office may have to study a Twitter-sponsored corporate race hustler like Ibram X. Kendi for your sins. The Atlantic may use you as a hook for an article. The six inevitable retractions will come later. Joy Reid may do an entire segment on you. The least popular person in your sociology class will surely message you on Facebook to let you know about that one. How much easier, how much more comfortable would it be to stay asleep, enjoy the many worldly benefits of the on-demand economy? And when it comes to politics, stay quiet, go with the flow. Just play dead, counting the days until you are. Meanwhile, our city streets fill with murderers, set loose as cops desperately call out for backup. 
deaths of despair surpass deaths from the China virus. Our birth rate falls below replacement levels. Our children's naturally inquisitive and hopeful minds, stunted already by the mediocrity of their unionized instructors, melt away before us. And somewhere Nancy Pelosi complains her blowout is taking too long. If I could tell you honestly that this moment did not demand much of you, I would. But the hour is late, and the task before us is enormous. So often the left wins because they count on you to stop fighting. Conservatives don't temperamentally believe everything is political, but totalitarians don't take days off. And that's why the wide awake movement must be big tent. Successful revolutions demand it. Without Hamilton, we'd be in economic backwater. Without Madison, all states would be the same. Without Jefferson, we'd have no protection for individual freedom. And without Washington, we'd all still be British. That is an ecumenical American tradition we ought to embrace. There are more of us than there are of them, and it's time they felt it. As Edmund Burke recognized, a nation is a partnership between those who are alive, those who have died, and those yet to be born. Or as G.K. Chesterton put it, tradition means giving a vote to the most obscure of all classes, our ancestors. It is the democracy of the dead. Tradition refuses to submit to the small and arrogant oligarchy of those who merely happen to be walking about. Democracy tells us not to neglect a good man's opinion, even if he is our groom. Tradition asks us not to neglect a good man's opinion, even if he is our father. The American crisis can be the opportunity for American renewal. That's why it's worth doing. It's only by doing hard things and overcoming them that we find genuine happiness. In the end, the failure of the Tea Party was that it didn't go far enough Subsumed within the Republican Party, it became just one more aspect of a partisan mission to change America. The wide awakes of today must be something more. This is a movement that is larger than one political party because it traces its motivation back to the fundamental understanding of the relationship between the citizen and the state. There are some who mean to rule you. Radical Cram School. We're going to learn about social justice, revolution, and how to be powerful in the bodies that you have. Macho, macho, punch, punch, tough guys. That's so passe. That's not my future. Macho, macho, grab, grab, oh, you're annoyed. That's so toxic. I'm a feminist boy. Watch me be a man who has all the feels. I can laugh, cry, sing, and still keep it real. I don't have to be tough just to get respect. I know words, not this solve arguments. Watch me be a man who doesn't only wear blue. Why can't pink and purple be boy colors too? I feel bad for macho men who won't wear sparkles. Those old color codes are so patriarchal. Macho, macho, punch, punch, tough guy. 
Spot the Difference by Key, Woke Kindergarten. Can you spot the difference? 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 Now, can you find something that's the same? You are not, you're not a woman. You don't look like a woman. You don't act like a woman. The confrontation started inside. Trans women are women. Get a and spilled into the street. Aberdeen Councilwoman Tiesa Meskis confronted owner Don Sucker about a sign he posted in his store saying, if you are born with a slang for a male body part, you are not a chick. What he wrote there was so demeaning and so dismissive of who I am and who any trans woman is. Meskis, a trans woman, says she knows Sucre has the right to say what he wants. You're nuts. You need to back off now. No, you do. But she wanted to tell him to his face it was hurtful. I would really like them to open their eyes and their heart and see that, you know, we are people, we are who we are, and all we want to be is accepted in our community. Now, I don't care what they do, but don't come in here and complain to me about stuff. I have free speech. Sucre says anyone who disagrees with him Just does not need to spend money at his store, where that sign was still visible today. And everybody's loved it. Everybody's taken pictures of it. Everybody laughs. Everybody. Not everybody loved it, as we saw. Well, yeah. And some people think it's hurtful. Well, you told us that this hurt. But here's the thing. I don't give a about feelings anymore. I'm 70 I'm eight. I went to Vietnam to fight for all this. Do you think I care about some feelings? Absolutely not. Supporters of the councilwoman are planning a protest out in front of the store Saturday morning at 10. Don Sucre says he is calling on some of his backers for a show of support at the same time. That's some sawed-off shit right there. The Ben Dominic, uh, the only Julie I could find, first of all, let me backtrack from sawed-off shit to what I wanted to say. Uh, the Julie, I can't find the original. doesn't exist, so that's a copy of it. The Ben Dominic, he's spot on. We let this happen. My wife watched it and said the same thing. We've been letting this happen from day one. We let the people that are always talking about personal liberty take away our personal liberty because, as we've said on this show, say it with me, boys and girls, 
They are the fascists. They really hate you. They want to rule you. They don't believe you have the ability to make any decisions because you're a stupid fuck. And then you go into it. That's a kindergarten. I did the radical cram school just for effect. Then you have a kindergarten that anything that is not liberal is racist. And then a man who's standing up to these fuckers. And it's a big deal. But he's right. He, 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 he's, he's not a woman. You, you can say you are, but you're not. So, for our crazy stuff for this week, and then we're not going to do it, this is America, but we're definitely going to do um, a <clears throat> lighter fare because i got to go one today. This, this, this just, I mean, if I could just go ding, 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 this is, this is liberalism in the nutshell. This is how far we've gone. This is why we're fucking stupid. University of Wisconsin-Madison removes massive rock from campus after racism claim. A 1920 term to describe large rock rocks included a racial slur a 1920 term that nobody knows so they had to move this 70 ton rock off the campus because some black people walked past it they said and it harmed them i want you to think about that if you're you know i used to say all the time on this show if words hurt you yeah i'm into combat But then I started to evolve like everybody else because you don't have a choice. And I stopped using faggot, which never really meant gay, but okay, I'll play your game. I did all the stupid shit. But we've now gotten to the point of this exercise where fucking rocks are offending people. Fucking rocks! Back to school. Clark County School is introducing a new district-wide grading policy. The lowest grade is 50%. Grades won't be influenced by attendance, participation, in late assignments. CCSD says this creates equity. Some teachers say it lowers standard. The regulation is a result of years of work led by our principals to ensure students' grades more accurately reflect current level of mastery. I missed this earlier. F is no longer failing. It's emergent. I always blame Dust for everybody gets a participation trophy, but now that's going to be done just... You can guarantee a white kid from a trailer park with no parents. Go fuck yourself! Ibram X. Candy honors Meghan Markle by pledging 40 minutes of his precious time to mansplain... To one lucky woman re-entering the workforce. Under the new rules, Megan Rapinoe is a white supremacist. Congratulations on our NSSLs players and the rest of the U.S. women teams for getting bronze. Ironic that Rapinoe is using an ADL SPLC verified white supremacist high end sign, and she literally did this. I can show you, but she did it, and there was. There was nothing. Nobody got upset. We weren't gnashing teeth, but yeah, okay. Greg DeAngelis, and I meant to put this back to her. Wisconsin K-12 enrollment change. Public 
down 3%. Private, down 1.5. Charter, up 14. 47% increase in homeschooling. I mean, I think a lot of people are realizing I'm not going to hand my kid over to this incubator of woke. And the people that are there just don't want to work. I mean, it's what I say all the time about the medical profession. It's what I, you know, exposure therapy is a bitch. It is now becoming common for me to get up and do something every day. But for three years, I sat on my ass. I liked it because that was the habit. I was one of those commercials. Big fat fucker with a remote and a bag of popcorn asleep. Watching fucking reruns of Andy Griffin. That was my life. I'd have a routine, get up, mop, clean the house, take care of the animals, get dinner ready for the wife. I did that for like 19 months. 20 months. Then she got fired. Then I sat on my ass. The never-Trumpers, exposure therapy. You watch CNN, you learn all day, you start rethinking because you want to get Trump. So you start saying crazy shit. You believe January 6th is worse than the cumulative harm, damage, and fucking attacks by the left for a whole summer? It is the worst attack since Nagasaki, Pearl Harbor, fucking other... Nagasaki's not in our country. But you get it, 1812, Civil War, fucking whatevs, creation of time. It's all exposure therapy. Nurses, the medical professional, and teachers haven't been working for a year. I don't care that there were big surges. Maybe that's for the medical staff in the emergency room. But practitioners, they haven't been doing dick. They have caught up on the crown. And everything else on Netflix, like the rest of us. That's why I shut my Netflix off. There's nothing else to watch. Well, except for Woke. They just don't want to go back to work. And there's another thing about the grade. If we're grading by race, so that's simple. Wait, I'm black now. Hollywood elite Yvette Nicole Brown claims it's a gift of being black in America for things to not go your way. I'm going to refute that. Time now. I think I lost a bet. I love my mama, man. (laughs) 
Look no further than my mama to find out where I get it from. My passion, how hard I work, that comes from my mother. <clears throat> I watched her every day as a, as a child get up, work her fingers to the bone to make sure that she provided for her family. For myself, my brother and my sister, single parent household. <clears throat> they say that, uh, you hear people say a woman can't raise a man, I call bullshit. My mama raised two of them. Thank you, mama. I want to thank my dad. I want to thank my hometown of Fremont, Ohio. They say it takes a village to raise a child, and my village certainly done right by me and my family. So I thank you. So to my mom, my dad, my hometown, Without you, I am not here. To my sister Shannon, who cannot be here to join in this occasion, big moment for our family, dealing with COVID. She's fighting. You know, throughout my career, I can remember getting calls from my sister periodically, whether I was riding down the 880 freeway in Oakland or Lombardi Avenue in Green Bay, and she would just hit me with these three words, hey, little brother, I love you. And it, it always seemed to hit me at the right time, you know, to get me through the day or get me through the week. Sister, I just want you to know we're thinking about you. Wish you were here, I love you. Without you, I am not here. To my brother Terry, my brother, my rabbit, who I was chasing as a child. You built me for this game through tough love. I remember we would wrestle as kids, man, and fight. You would hold me down and you make that fist, man, and put your knuckle out and just hit me in the same place. <laughs> till my skin would raise, and I had to sit there and endure that pain. But when I go back and I think about 2002 going through the playoffs with a broken leg, and I think about the coach telling me, you gotta practice if you're gonna play, and I had to go out there and run around on that leg every day and practice just to prove that I could do it on Sunday. And I did that. We made it to the Super Bowl. My only problem is I ran into Sapp, Brooks, and Lynch, and it didn't turn out so well. But bro, you built me for an 18-year career. I thank you for that tough love. Without you, I am not here. My boy James, my brother from another mother, Ain't nobody in this world, man, that I would want to stand back to back with, toe to toe, and fight with anybody. As a matter of fact, we've done that a couple of times. We got this tattoo years ago, man. 
that said, my brother's keeper. And we've been having each other's back ever since. Man, I love you, man, like no other. Without you, I'm not here. To my family, my, my wife, my kids, April, my front, my back, my side to side. I told you years ago, you was the best thing that ever happened to me. And that still rings true today. You lift me up. You keep me humble. You make me honest. You've allowed me and made me the best version of myself. And I love you for that. I thank you and I love you now and forever. Without you, I most definitely am not here. To my boys, Charles and Chase, you guys don't quite understand it right now. You haven't been through anything. You haven't fought for anything as hard and as long as I have as these men up here. But once you go through life, you go through your own journey and life throws its obstacles at you. When you turn 35, 40 years old, you'll begin to understand why a grown man will stand up here and cry. For me and your mother, the sun, the moon, and the stars revolve around you two boys. I just want you to do one thing for me. Love your mother the way that I love mine. You see, football is what I did. But those people that I mentioned, that's who I am. I love you guys. I love you back. Now I need you to indulge me for a minute. My teams, Fremont Ross, Little Giants, anybody that went to Fremont Ross, any player that played with me, please stand up. Stand up. Any Michigan Wolverine out there, player, keep standing, keep standing. Any Michigan Wolverine, stand up. Any Green Bay Packer, past, future, present, old fans, stand up. Any Oakland Raider fan, Las Vegas Raider fan, stand up. Keep standing. Keep standing. Anybody, anybody who's a fan of the way I played the game of football, you stand up too. Anybody. My coach Lloyd Carr told me a long time ago, there's no one bigger than the team. No one bigger than the team. The things we were able to accomplish. Keep standing. Don't sit down. Stand up. We did this together. Together, me and you. We were Mr. Ohio together. We were a Heisman Trophy winner together. We were national champions together. We were defensive rookies together. Defensive player of the year, of the year together. Super Bowl champions together. So when I say that when I go in, we all go in, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. So I want to say thank you to all my coaches that ever pushed me to be better, all my teammates, 
who we battle, do I battled against and went into battle with. All my trainers who pieced me back together to get me back in the game, the medical staff, I thank you. I would not be here without you. You may sit down now, thank you. You know, I, I grew up an hour and a half west from here in Fremont, Ohio. It's where I picked up my first pair of cleats to play this great game that we play. And I feel like it's so fitting that here today, I put those cleats down for the last time here in Canton, Ohio, and I walk into the Hall of Fame. I leave you with this. Be unique, innovative, learn discipline. You own undeniable respect. Love everyone, give everything, never doubt, build your legends. Thank you. We in the Hall of Fame, baby. Beautiful. Beautiful. What a beautiful speech filled with a heart love for son to his mom. I wept watching this. Number one, because I love Ron Woodson. I was just about to buy his jersey and they traded him. That was in my, I wait for a couple of years because every time I bought a jersey, the guy got booted. I get McClay Mathers, he's gone. I get Majority Nelson, he's gone. Randall Cobb's back. I'm so fucking happy. I love me some Randall Cobb. Woodson says it. That video is so exemplary against everything the woke crowd says about African Americans and, more importantly, the nuclear family. Here's a black mama by herself instills that kind of drive into a young man. It has nothing to do with society. It has nothing to do with white supremacy. I'm sure he's been prejudiced. I'm sure she was. But they said, fuck it. And they went out and made their marks. That motherfucker right there, I said that in a positive way, motherfucker. Like, good dude, motherfucker. Went to college, was Mr. Ohio before then, won the fucking Heisman, was a rookie of the year, got a Super Bowl trophy, he's now in the Hall of Fame. That dude did it with his family and drive. He didn't sit there and say, I need to get something from the government so I can get my head out of my ass. No. It is the total repudiation of everything Black Lives Matter and the Democratic Party says. Repudiation. Ken Klesser gets called out of his hit piece on Rufo. We covered last time. Ten articles. Carolyn Boskowitz, Knitting Witch of the West. Hi, Glenn Kessler. And I were talking to the same anonymous tipster. The person came to me, both of us, with the same information. So, yes, the person absolutely exists. And, no, I don't believe Rufo hijacked anything. I'm grateful for his work. Hope this helps. Hi, Glenn Kessler. Sorry you're disappointed, but I'm disappointed that the Washington Post is doing yet another hit piece on him. It's ridiculous. Regardless of the whistleblower is real and was talking to both of us, Rufo is always a strong, strong guy. Um, everybody's kept piling on. Everything he said is true. It's all shown. And they just don't care. Instead of covering it, you have the New York Times. Sharks get a bad rap. So researchers and officials are rethinking the phrase shark attacks. I'm sure anybody who's bit by a shark is going, yeah, that's a great deal. 
That's fucking fantastic. Let's let's do that. Simultaneously, Eric Erickson and Beth Stuckey have been suspended because they called that weightlifter a fucking dude. Laura Harbour failing the event doesn't make his, his inclusion fair. He's still a man, and men shouldn't compete against women in weightlifting. That's what he said. That is a factual statement. But then we find out Twitter and Facebook executives help smear Cuomo accusers. So I guess it just doesn't really matter. Then you have fucking Ken Burns, Mark Zuckerberg, enemy of the state, should be in jail because he lets anybody have an opinion that he doesn't agree with. Leon County School Board member apologizes after spreading misinformation about DeSantis' kids. Here's what's off limits in politics. Families and children, if your problem is Ron DeSantis, keep his kids out of it. So there's a lot of scuttlebutt circulating right now that Ron DeSantis and which school he and Casey are going to send their kids to, especially as it relates to mask mandates. Don't go there. Don't bring the kids into this. The snark will backfire. Could someone verify a McKay school where the governor sends his kids and set a policy on mandatory mask? Rosanna Wood, school board member. I just got word through the Lesserve and McKay has rescinded their opt-out policies requiring masks of all people on campus for beginning of the school. Wise decision. Safety first. Update. I've been told that I was misinformed that Ron DeSantis' children are not enrolled. That's how dirty the left is. If a conservative did that, if a conservative did that, you'd know. But no, with Ron DeSantis, we go, we just go deep. And while we're fucking woken, Burgerville, USA, I was going to bring it down a prop because my brother Matt, love you, bro, I'm on the second one. That was my favorite Burgerville joint when I was a kid. It's a West Coast thing. Delicious burgers, Tillamook cheese, so fucking good. But their sauce is awesome. My wife says just fucking Thousand Island. Shut your mouth. It's so good. They have to close one of their downtown courts because of vandalism, crime, and feces in Portland. Because, yeah, the unionized burger joint Portland Lance neighborhood is no longer safe for employees. There's shit all over the place. A fast food first, Southeast Portland Burgerville unionizes. Burgerville breaks a treat for essential workers. And you go to this article, it was all over everything on the West Coast. They literally had to stop because there's shit everywhere. Our one picture will be coming up because in Poland still, this is a religious group getting attacked by Antifa. But yeah, January 6th. What is that? What is that? He has to. Yeah. We speak peace to you in Jesus' name. What? What the fuck's going on? Get back, get back. No, no. You're just a dick! What? 
All cops are bastards in the name of Jesus, amen. Flash bomb into a group of kids that were out there um, from like four months old to like ten. Um, yeah, they were ruthless. Unbelievable. And this is a pastor? Yeah, I'm a pastor also. Walked up to ask him to stop. Walked up to ask him to stop throwing things at the children because there's kids down there. I mean, they're toddlers. Yeah. And they sprayed me too, obviously. So, anyhow. If it was a Muslim prayer event, you would know about it because it was a religious one for Christianity. Yeah. Shocking video recorded in Portland shows a large group of Antifa carrying shields and weapons moving to attack a shutdown, a family Christian prayer and worship event on the waterfront. Police didn't even show up. A woman attendee of the family Christian prayer event at the waterfront downtown Portland describes what happened when Antifa attacked. According to one of the militia Antifa members who witnessed the violent direct action, Antifa threw the Christian group's sound equipment into the Lamar River. The attendees, which include children, were hit with projectiles and pepper spray. And here, here's just some of their tweets. I did not work out for Fast and Friends. Let's just say their equipment malfunctioned in the river. Melissa Claudia Lewis. She looks like a nice person, literally. Like, no crazy hair. Welcome to Portland. You won't like it here, Pastor Idaho and the op. Alert, Portland. They feel like they can do it in Salem, so they're coming to the waterfront Saturday, August 7th. Courageous truth. There's nothing in here that shows they're fascists. Another one. Remember with the Spanish Civil War when the anarchists expropriated wealth from fascist churches gave to the poor? Well, today anarchists in Portland expropriated sandwiches and water from the fascist hate preachers and gave them to the homeless. Which they didn't call homeless. They called houseless. Yeah. Which brings us to this. While we're defunding, bloody weekend in Chicago leaves 10 dead, including police officer and new mother, Ella French. Two-month-old baby. She just came off maternity leave. But yeah. Yeah, we, we, don't, we don't cover that. At least 67 people shot, 10 fatally in Chicago since Friday night. Police officers among the dead. This is Chicago police officer Ella French. She was shot in the face and killed by a savage during a car stop. Ella was 29 years old and just gotten back from maternity leave. She leaves leaves behind two-month-old baby, Democrats caused this. The wounded officer has 
been with the department for six years. Brown said he remained University of Chicago Center where he was fighting for his very life in critical condition. That was another one. Brown found no specifics about the traffic stop, including why the officer stopped the vehicle he'd been with. He also said that three suspects collectively don't have extensive criminal backgrounds, but the lead shooter was believed by police to be a passenger vehicle. His robbery conviction from 2019. Brown said the case was adjudicated through the court system and he may have been sentenced to probation because he's black. Third suspect, one on the case, was arrested Sunday morning. She and the other two other suspects, one of whom was believed to have shot the officer and was struck by the officer's gunfire in return, were being questioned by investigators. Why, why don't we know about this? Is she a white supremacist? Is that, is that what it is? She's a white supremacist? We laud the wrong people all the time. And then there's this. U.S. Senate candidate, PA lawmaker, calls for investigation after report on pit fetal tissue research. I'm covering this because as those have been with the show, I don't like abortion. But I believe abortion should be legal. But I think there should be restrictions on abortion after the 23rd week because babies fucking live after 23 fucking weeks. They have heartbeats. They're not clumps of cells. But if we remember during the Obama administration, the beginning of Project Veritas was cracking down <clears throat> on the lies from Planned Parenthood. As we all know, they don't provide neonatal. They don't do pre. They don't take care of mamas. They give out contraceptives, abortions, and STD tests. For men who are women. No mammograms, none of that stuff. They're abortion mill. We give them $650 million a year to abort babies. Oh, it's walled off. You give anybody money. You give me 50 fucking bucks. I can take my 50 bucks and go kill pandas. So shut the fuck up. We don't give $650 million to NRA or any other conservative group. Nobody gets money every fucking year. The show's federal money is going to abortion and abortion studies. And it shows they're doing it on live abortions because they need them to be alive to get the fucking fetal tissue. It has to be alive and the lungs, the heart has to be pounding when they hack it the fuck up. This is the live birth abortion bullshit that they say they don't do and we don't fund. The federal government gave at least $2.7 million in taxpayer money to researchers who sought out minority babies who have been aborted in order to harvest their organs, according to internal documents. The University of Pittsburgh targeted minorities in request for infant organs, including those taken from full-term babies to create a pipeline for fetal research. Reachers said they needed 50% of the donated fetus to be in minorities. It's specified that 25% must come from black women. The Pittsburgh metropolitan area is 85% white and 8% black. Researchers stressed the importance of maintaining organ blood flow in the request, which watchdogs say could violate federal law by asking doctors to illegally preserve organs during labor-inducing abortions. The National Institute of Health has overseen experiments on fetal organs of the University of Pittsburgh since 2015, which the school claimed to be tissue hub. Aborted babies using this research range from 6 to 42 weeks. 
of gestation, according to government documents. The grant request from the university government agency reduced redacts key information, including how many fetuses were obtained and who provided them. Its language, however, raised troubling questions. David Daladin, founder and president of the Pro-Life Center for Medical Progress, called the federal government to investigate NIH and Pitt after retaining the more than 300-page informations on this. The experiments with aborted infants at the University of Pittsburgh, sponsored by the NIH, are like Kermit Gosnell. It's exactly like it. NIH didn't respond because they're going to pretend like it didn't happen. The fetal research focused on harvesting kidneys. University of Pittsburgh said fetuses should be minimized warm ischemic time. A medical term described time the organ is without blood flow. It also lists labor induction as a utilized abortion procedure. There's a distinct possibility that some of these babies are born alive and their organs and tissues are removed. This is horrific. Federal law bans the purchasing of aborted fetuses, which must be donated for research. Is it legal to request how donated fetuses are to be aborted? And the university spokesperson and researchers play no role in timing and the method. And it's all a fucking lie. It is happening. It's happening all over the place. And nobody cares. The Hyde Amendment specifically says no federal money can go to abortions. 67% of the country agree with said no aborted money goes to abortion. But the only stats you ever hear about is the 70% of Americans who believe abortion shouldn't be banned. Yeah! Because liberals don't follow laws, they're going to be aborting them anyway. It's not that people don't think abortion is abhorrent. They just know... You guys do whatever the fuck you want. You got the guns. Supreme Court says that's unconstitutional. Fuck it. We're going to do it anyway. We just watched it live on TV and everybody was cool with it. Fuck it. But Trump. Yeah. That's a hell of a way to end the show. This is why... I wasn't freaking out about Trump. Trump is never going to be a threat. That's why I voted for him a second time. He's always going to be held in check. The media is going bonkers trying to stop him from breathing and pushing impeachments. But when Democrats get in office, you have no fucking idea what's going on. This infrastructure bill is going to be paid for, and it's nothing but a boondoggle for liberal bullshit that nobody wants. Even have people on record saying, well, we're going to be dead when this gets paid for. Because it's so much goddamn money. But it ain't infrastructure. Latest I've read is 20% of the bill actually fixes infrastructure. The rest is human liberal bullshit. And I will bet you money there'll be money in it for abortions. You watch. It'll be there. Some research is so important that we got to kill a baby. Because that's important shit. Do a lighter fare. If wrestling, wrestling, or wrestling, how about wrestling, was moderated like Snoop Dogg and Kevin Hart, I'm going to tell you, more people would fucking watch it because this is some funny-ass shit. I don't like Snoop Dogg. Okay, I had the Black Sheep album, the one with the freaking, you know, rolling in my speaking on juice, laid back. Okay, everybody had that album. You can't dog me for that. I, I had the album. Sorry. 
he's a punk ass and he hates me because I'm white. That's fine. This shit's funny. Irania didn't stop there. Here he is posterizing another wrestler with a Greco-Roman front flip. He different. Oh, man. He different. What you doing, bro? He different. What you about to do, he, he man? He's just walking around with him? What you about to do, bro? What you doing? Hold look on. Look at Cuz just taking it. Oh, look oh, at this, hey. Carl. Come on, Hey, Cuz. man, what you doing? He a little kid in him right oh, now. Hey, come on, man. Hey. Oh! Oh, look at him. Oh, wait. <laughs> Go, can y'all go back to the face? Go back to the guy's face. Go back to the, go back to the black guy's face after he realized. This nigga know hey, he was gonna be on hey, the That face is like hey, I'm gonna be on Kevin hey, and Snoop's show. I know I'm gonna be hey, on. Hey man, he dizzy as hell, Snoop. <laughs> Look, he dizzy as hell, man. Go back. Let me see it again. Let me see the moves. Let me see the face. Oh, oh my oh, god. Oh look at look. He like what the fuck just happened? Look. <laughs> I've been Greco wrestling for 10 years. I ain't never had nobody hold me and do a cartwheel like that and land me. That Mike back here for Outdoor Man. Summer's coming. It's time to relax and enjoy Colorado's big rivers. White water rafted. Big falls, sharp rocks, class four rapids. Sounds stressful, right? That's because it is, you babies. Stress built this country. You remember the Boston Tea Party? That's tea in it, party, tea party. Sounds stress-free. Well, it wasn't. We went in there, grabbed the tea, knocked the box over, threw it in the harbor to protest unfair taxation. And if we hadn't done stuff like that, we'd be speaking in that weird accent Madonna picked up, selling scones and shepherd's pie to people. There's good stress. Winning at Talladega. Yeah, coming to that finish line. Bad stress, your car's on fire. Good stress is heading down the river to kayak. Bad stress is noticing the only one with you is Ned Beatty. <laughs> this country was built on stress. That's right. And just like it was good to throw the tea in the water with the Boston Tea Party, it's good to throw these kayaks in the water. Where do you find them? Outdoor man. Do we sell stuff that's stress-free? No, that's the point, you worry wart. Hello, everyone. We have a new person joining us tonight. Um, hi, I'm Matt. Matt, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I, I guess it's like kind of hard to admit, but I'm addicted to being tac tactical. Hey, that's okay. We all have our vices. I've been trying to buy F-15s and nuclear warheads. I masturbate with CLP. Guns give me boners. I jerk off demolition ranch videos. You jerk off to Matt Carricker. Caleb, why don't you share your success story? What's up? I'm Caleb. Uh, I haven't operated in 10 years. Not one ounce of carbon on these hands. <laughs> I'm actually a lot cooler than everybody here. I actually got a coin for being cool.
It's nice to meet you all. That is some funny shit at throwing in the last man standing in that new one by Black Rifle Coffee, which, by the way, I talked to one of their executives because that's where I was doing all my interviews when I hired three people last week. And Heather is actually a sweetheart. That's just a persona. I had to ask him. I said, I'm a happily married man, but she's super hot. Is she like that? Or is, and he goes, no, man, she's super sweet. She's a great gal. And I said, I know it's an appropriate question, but he's like, no, everybody asks. I mean, she's beautiful. She's a beautiful gal. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with family and friends and send comments at foppodcast.com. We can get all video, audio from SoundCloud, Link, and Rumble. We'll go with our next show on 1-4. I say 1-4 August, year of our Lord, twenty. 21 until then disconnect from all your devices don't give the yeah yes trying to keep it shorter this is a little longer but i'm trying to get on the two hour and i'll probably stay on the two hour and then we'll go back down to an hour and a half just short burst less videos more subject uh intensive of me bumping my gums because as we go back to work there'll be some hard times of me trying to get a show in for the first couple weeks as i'm establishing what i'm doing then after that should be able to get two a week. I think I could pull that off if I do shorter shows because went into the booth uh, two and a half hours ago. So it takes a little long. I thank you all for listening. Remember, there's a huge backlog of stuff. I get these little breaks where I can't get a show off. There's plenty of place, plenty of episodes you probably never heard. There's just a shit ton of episodes. It's insane. It's hard to believe I've done this many in six years, but I have. But y'all take care, and we'll talk on Saturday.